0: In Jesus' name, man, it's so good. We welcome our online crew with us this morning. (coughs) Excuse me, we welcome you in the room. Those of you who've been with us for a while, those of you maybe for the very first time, we're so glad that you would join us this morning. And if you are brand new for the very first time, I need to let you in. Talk some some deep trash last week um, about a football game that was taking place that that our associate pastor, Raf Gonzalez attended between his beloved New England Patriots and God's team, the Carolina Panthers. And five days ago, I was gonna start this message by telling you that none of that matters because it's basketball season. But we'll get to that in a second because what happened between five days ago and now is God reminded us that even in defeat, he's working. So what Raph thought in winning the battle has actually helped us win the war. So what has happened is God has done mighty things. Cam Newton back home. And if that's what it took, if it took a humble loss and Raph had a happy day, I serve you, I love you, brother, there's nothing between us. If it took that beating last Sunday in order to get us to where we're going to go, praise God, right? Praise God. So it's a beautiful thing. Now, but it is basketball season right It's been NBA for a while, but I'm talking about college, local high schools. Um, it all kicked off. We're playing. I coach my daughter and, and another couple young ladies that I see in the room today, and uh, we had a, an opening, great opening weekend, amazing stuff that I would just talk about all day, but that's not why we're here. But I do want to let you know because it'll tie into this this message that man, it's so important where God's taking us today in the next few weeks and if you missed last week, we'll, we'll help you out. You can go check that on our website. But I was talking, my daughter is 17 years old. Uh, she's strong. She's just gift. She's always been strong. She's worked on her strength. And um, I was talking to her and I was talking to our team about rebounding. That's kind of our focus this year. We weren't great at that last year and how we got to be. And we're small. We're not a big team at all. And I talked to my, my daughter privately and then I gave this well, I was going to say an incredible speech, but because I got players in the room, they—you might ask them—it really wasn't that incredible. But uh, but I talked them about how, what rebounding is and what it isn't, right? And and what rebounding isn't is, if the ball comes my way, I'll grab it. I get a stat. I got a rebound. You really didn't. The ball just came to you, right? What we want is—is is when the ball doesn't come your way, I'm going to go get the ball. Right. Instead of I got a rebound. No, you didn't. You you the, the stars aligned and you received a rebound. But you didn't go take a rebound. And we're small. And I said I had a conversation before. I was like, Mia, like you're so like, go get the ball. And she's like, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not tall. And she is. She's one of the shortest on our teams uh, with, with the, the 10 players on the floor Friday night. She might have been the shortest or second shortest out there. I was like, it has nothing to do with height. Right, Shaquille O'Neal, seven foot one, amazing, like never led the league in rebounds because right? it's about heart, right? It's not about height, it's about, are you gonna wait for the ball to come to you? You'll get a couple rebounds. Go get the ball! <laughs> Mia, I'm happy to say, for the first time in her high school career, led our team in rebounding on Friday night with eight, right? No, 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 don't clap for her because two reasons not to clap for her, right? It'll, one, it'll go to her head and two, it wasn't her rebounding, it was my speech. <laughs> That's where you're supposed to clap. for, No, it wasn't my speech at all. Um, we, we had a great night and a great rebounding, and it's a mindset, and it's really fun, all right, to watch uh, not just her, but, but these young ladies. Like, it's not a sin or a crime to go knock somebody down. Like, it's my ball, I'm gonna go get it. It's just fun to watch. So, transition. I'm looking, and it's not me, it's our God, because he's, he's, this has been so convicting. What I'm about to preach has been so convicting to my own heart. He's looking for some spiritual go-getters. Not they're going to come and sit and see what comes my way. I'm going to go get this. I'm going to seek it aggressively. Now, I can't preach with a ball in my hands. So how's those hands? Oh, that was pressure, right? So we'll come back to that at the end. Don't lose that ball in the meantime. But I want us to... Think and pray about what does it look like in this incredible subject, so we open it up. It's called Just As, and that comes from the scripture that we, we preached last week. Be kind and compassion. This is from Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. How, what kind of forgiveness? Just as. Just as God forgave you. So we kind of unpacked, laid the foundation for this forgiveness last week. So, so today, what does it look like to go after forgiveness or, or specifically go after unity and, and peace and specifically today what does that look like among us now we're a church for the untold unconvinced and we're so close to getting back to the place where we can say hey your, your friends that don't know Jesus your neighbors your co-workers bring them here Right, as we've been in this whole crazy season, like that's who we are as a church. And I got to believe to some folks in the room, some folks online, you're not sure where you stand with Jesus yet. This is an insider look of what we're supposed to be, people of God. We're supposed to lead, we're supposed to be known, are we? We're supposed to be known for how well we do forgiveness. That's what we're supposed to be. So I don't know, and, and we've talked about forgiveness for seven years, we're a gospel centered church. I don't know. If I've ever preached a message series on forgive my life, that's wrong. And I'm working through today, I think there's a lot of church folks, Jesus folks, Christian folks, that don't understand what forgiveness, like they've heard about how God forgave us and died on the cross and all that, but just as he forgave us, now we're supposed to spread that out to each other. So today we're going to talk about specifically in the context of church, because if you didn't know, if you hadn't been around, if you're blessed not to experience it, sometimes, some places, there can be some drama among church people. Right? Maybe you don't know about that, and that'd be a beautiful thing. So for us, what's this look like? Just ask. Among us. Yes, among us worldwide Christians. Yes, yes. Christians that you know. But specifically, Relentless Church. I'm talking about you and the people that you're in the room with. You online that you're part of. Like, how are we interacting as a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-let's walk through. Forgiveness as a gospel-centered. Right? The gospel is this incredible news that we've been rescued and adopted. So what that means is if I've been rescued by God through Jesus, if I've been adopted into his family, what I cannot say and how I cannot live is, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for rescuing me and adopting me. And now I can do and treat my brothers and sisters however I please without that same grace and that that commonality. We've both been rescued. We've both been adopted. So we got to figure forgiveness out. It's how we approach Relationships. I don't have to know you. You've been rescued. I've been rescued. You've been adopted by the same dad. We got the same dad. Therefore, we're family. Therefore, I'm approaching relationships, not with what do you do or say to make me mad? What I'm looking for the reason that you're gonna give me to not trust you anymore. Instead, we're coming from, yeah, we're we're humans, we're flawed, but we're we're both getting adopted. That's our center point, that's our common bond. We're forever focused, which means, man, this is where this series is going to be really hard, especially next week, right? Which I'm praying that leans into you coming and not like, hey, I'm going to be somewhere else next week, right? When, when we talk about what God might be calling specifically from you in this series, which I don't know, But Forever Focus is just an acknowledgement as a church that we know we're not here long, and we know there is another life. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a myth. It's not a funeral line to make us feel better. This is the pregame. The ball is not tipped yet. We were created to get new bodies that never die in a place and a life in a city that will never end. It's coming, and we're closer today on November 14th than we've ever been. So because it's so short, how much are we willing to carry The grudges, the bitterness, the unforgiveness towards others. If life is short, then we're going to be proactive, we're going to be go-getters, we're going to go seek, hey, I'm not willing, whatever's going on between you and me, and I don't even know what to call it or name it, but I feel it, you feel it, we're not right, and that's not okay, and I'm willing to do something about it, because life is short. And we serve a Jesus who went to a cross on our behalf, and as he was being tortured and murdered on a cross, he chose to find the words, Father, forgive my crucifiers. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They knew what they were doing. What's he talking about? They they don't get it. Their perspective, he was so full of compassion, even... So you're like, I don't, pastor, if you're going where I think you're going, and you're going to address what I think you're going to address, and you don't like, you have no right, and, and I can't, like, you're right, you can't, we're forever focused, we serve a Jesus who went for us, and who will empower us with forgiveness that we find. If you can do it on your own, why are you here, right? It doesn't go well, as we know, but we need, we all need, and we're a multi-ethnic movement, and all I'll say about that today, you know, it's a word, it's not a bad word, so it's a it's a hard word for me to say homogenous in church world that in the multi-ethnic movement those are churches that are one race basically it's not us but and obviously race and ethnicity and perspective and church background like all those and we're a multi-generational church There's a lot if you didn't know if you ever heard uh the term like church split it happens like all the time churches get in a fight about something usually something stupid and then they start teaming up like, you know, it almost happened last week, right? Team RAF, <laughs> Team Panthers, but God can't, like, we're not letting that happen, right? And, and they start, like, I, I'm with this and I'm with that. And then they, like, we can't even go start another, like, we're going to, it's not the way we want to start churches. We can't get along with them, so we're going to become two churches. It happens all the time. And guess what? Almost all of it is in homogenous churches. So you can have no race, no multi, no generational, and still, days after days, churches getting fights with each other. So as a multi-ethnic church, right, we got, we're, we're leaning into what God called us to be, and we're going to have, and we already, you know, are learning. Don't think we're thinking we're preaching this message because we got church beef seven years in, and there's something like, what's going on? Who's mad? It's not that. It's just this is a constant of our lifestyle, and you got to know how to do this. Because, look, here's how people come to Relentless. Number one way, and I love this about us, people already know somebody, hey, you should come check out my church. People invite people, number one way. And it used to be one and nothing was close. Now, a very close second, because God is working, a very close second is people Googling multi-ethnic church in Raleigh area. Right? That did not happen five years ago. Right? And we're not the only multi-ethnic church in the area, but there's not a ton. people are finding us that way. People are, people are coming because they're coming to Christ and they need a church. Right? And then occasionally people will be called from their church wherever then and for whatever reason and then come check out our church and then people move into the area and are looking like all those reasons and ways. But in a segment of those, you hear this phrase, it's kind of a uh, catchphrase for a lot of things, this phrase church hurt. Where people have been hurt by the church. Right? And that's so sad. And I don't want to minimize that good degree. I I, I think people are looking for a church that won't hurt you. And I think that's fair. And I've heard stories and I, I mean, they're awful. Even in this room, we could give the mic and some of you would not believe they said what they did, what they treated you. And they is people of God. They is a church body. They often is pastor or pastors. And some of those stories, a lot of those stories are true and they're awful. So it's okay to want a church that won't hurt you. But sometimes what we're saying is not I'm looking for a church that that won't hurt me. What sometimes we're saying is I'm looking for a church that will never mess up in any way. And if you're new, you might not know. If you're not new, you already know this. That ain't us. Right? We're, We're a church with a flawed staff, with a flawed leadership, with a flawed body. We're humans, and if you're around long enough, we're gonna mess up, and our unintentional messing up could lead to some level of, now it's not, you know that crazy level some of the awful things, but it could lead to some level of offense in your heart. In fact, statistically, that's probably, if you're around, that's probably gonna happen Somehow, some way, some shape, some form, and that's not something specific. That's true across the board. So, so here's the here's this is huge. Like, I don't know where you're at, but for me, this work. This has been a light bulb series for me. Like, no wonder we don't have the power that the Church of Jesus is supposed to have. I've never preached this message. We're seven years in church, and most Christians I know have never heard this message. So we know offenses, and guess what? We don't know what to do with it. You're going to get offended probably today. <laughs> and if you, Jesus person doesn't know how to deal with that feeling, that emotion of like, whoa, wait a second. What do people do? They get hurt. They quit church or they just move churches. I'm going to go to this church until they hurt me. And then I'm going to go to this church. And I'm to, again, please, no, I'm not talking about that other level of, of serious offense, just ridiculous full misuse of power, like, no, I'm just talking about, Well, oh, that hit me wrong, and then eventually, they find a church where they can hide. I'm not gonna get to know anybody here, that way I won't get hurt, which was never the design of the body of Christ. So, we're gonna answer two basic questions this morning, we're gonna attempt to anyway. Number one, what should I do when I get hurt? When I get offended as a Christian, what should I do? And number two, when should I do it? We're going to spend a lot more time on number one than number two. What should I do? Here's the answer. You ready, church? Are you ready, church? All right. My right side, man, they're with me today. You people, I don't love you. What should I do? Have a conversation. With your mouth, not with your thumbs. Have a conversation. You know, sometimes or I mean, every week, hopefully, I'm, I'm trying and, and what our staff tries to do when we preach, preaching is taking the word of God, bringing it alive, it's already alive, but bringing it alive meaning applying it to what that looks and feels like in your life, All right? And that's really um, God speaking, we believe God speaks through and through preaching, even though we're not, you know, closer to God than you or better than you anyway, we're, like, God has called us to do that. But then there's some scripture that just, is, it really doesn't need much preaching. This, this little paragraph I'm about to read you is just one of the most beautiful paragraphs. Like We get to spend the rest of our lives living this and the world would change. I believe that with all my heart. Just let God's word, this is God who knows you, created you, the one who knows your name that we sang about, that freed you, that turns graves into gardens. This God wrote this to his church, to you, to your heart, Colossians 3. It's coming off some beautiful other language we don't have time for, but he, but he starts in verse 12. Put on then. Relentless, this is what we're praying for us right now. Put on then, Relentless Church, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. What are we putting on? Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility. Right? That's not the way of the world. Those are bad words in some place. That's who we are, Jesus, people. Compassionate, kind, humility, meekness, and patience. What are we supposed to do with each other? Bearing with one another. And, comma, if one has a complaint against another. Uh-oh, why couldn't we just stop with the meekness and the, that was so pretty. But if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Here's another part of just as, it doesn't say just, but same thought, as the Lord has forgiven you, that's the standard, so you also must forgive. So we talked about that a lot last week. Today I want to zero in on what is implied by that beautiful scripture. What's implied by if one has a a complaint, is that the one that is being complained against would know that they're being complained against. Otherwise, they would have no way of forgiving. This is not some vague, random, church-wide prayer. Hey, forgive me for whatever I might have done, right? As a kid, I prayed as a kid, when before I had a real personal relationship with God, I didn't pray forgiveness for specific sins I'd committed. Just, God, you know them all. Put them all in the bucket. Like, forgive me for all that, right? <laughs> nothing, nothing personal. Right, how would that go, spouses? Hey, I'm sure something to offend you through the years. Sorry, whatever that might have been right? It's not very personal or specific, right? This is, hey, wait, we got to bear with each other. And there's going to be, hey, if one of you has something to you got to forgive them. Implied in that, that there's a conversation. Otherwise, the person offended wouldn't know that they had offended and all that. So it's very clear a conversation is necessary. What do you do when you feel offense? You have a conversation. Now this gets, man, let's, let's use an example. Let's say one of, you, one of you comes to me after church. You won't do this today because of what I'm preaching, but last week you come to me, you're like, hey, man, I, I know he's your friend, and, but man, I believe what, what, what I heard Raph say, Raf Gonzalez, sociopath, I couldn't believe what, what I heard him say in student ministry on Wednesday night. You know, my teenager was there and they, they told me that Raph said this and I don't think that's right? Right? Where am I starting? I'm starting with, some of you have been in this conversation with me and I'm not right, you're not wrong, I'm not mad, it's just what I'm supposed to say. What what I'm going to say is, have you talked to Raph? Right? Why, why are you coming to me? Have you talked to Raph? And sometimes, you know what? I should. Times in church, you get the response as a leader: "Hey, have you talked to the person you're talking about?" Because we're different, right? Some of you work in crazy work environments, and the person above you is is man. They're softened. They're so wrong. But if you go to them, it could like it's real complicated in that world. Well, That's not us, right? It doesn't matter titles or whatever. Christian people, they get it in a room and they figure it out. Have you talked to Raph? Often the response is. Oh, no, 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 it's, I mean, it's not that big a deal. I, I don't need to talk to him. Alright, well, it was a big enough for you to come talk to me about him, but it's not a big deal for you to go because you think talking to me, like there won't be any pushback, there won't be any accountability. If it's really bothering you that much, then go talk to him. If You won't go talk to him, then there's something wrong in your heart because you didn't swallow it. And the question is, have you, are you holding anything against him? And if you can 100% confidently, boldly say, I don't know your heart, God does. I'm gonna trust you. If you can look me in the eye and say, you know what, now that I've had this conversation, you know, there's nothing there. I've let it go. I can. Run. There's nothing in me that's holding any bitterness, grudge, or offense towards him. If you can say that, I'm going to trust you with that. We're going to move out and go about life. But you got to be real. Now, forget the rap example. Get down to the names that I don't know. Can you honestly look in the mirror and look at God this morning and say, I carry no offense. I'm not holding anything towards blank. Now, this morning, we're assuming that blank is a person of Jesus, we'll get to the other parts of that as we go through this, but can you let, is it really gone? Now my wife would tell you this is a little bit unfair because of my personality type where I jump in to conflict and, and we, we don't see this the same way. Here's what I need to admit, some of you this is way harder than others, not because you're weak or you're, because you're just wired different just the last five minutes of preaching got your heart beating a little bit fast, right? Now on the other end, and this is who I was in my 20s, and God forgive me, but this is who I in my, like if I had a meeting on the schedule that was conflict-laced, I kinda got excited, right? That's sinful, that's a problem, right? You, if you like, oh, conflict, bring it on, heart issue. I used to live in that world, right? But, but on the other hand, nobody wiring whatever has an like, exemption card of like, I don't have to deal. Like, we all got to deal in our own way, and and you're wired how you're wired. We're all different, and that's fine. But words, phrases like, I disagree. I don't understand where you're coming from. Those phrases should be normal in the body of Christ. See, some of you got it backwards, and I've been there, and I'm not mad at you, but some of you got it backwards. No, the body of Christ, that's Jesus people, man. We don't have all that. Like, I don't come here for drama or trauma and disagreement. Like, we, we all got Jesus, and that's what like, we sing, and we worship, and we live life, and we, like, that's such a bubble reality. It's just not true. We're going to, if we're going to be the body, the family of God, we're going to have stuff. And if we're not armed, and we are armed with scripture, but we don't know, like, we don't know How? Like, some of you have been at church long time. Wait, I'm not gonna say the number of years. Some of you have been at church long time. And if you're saying, you have never kinda of worked through anything relationally, and everything's always been good. No, everything always hasn't been good. It's just been surface. Spouses. If, if your spouse took a random survey On the way out, one question survey, when was the last time you heard a sincere, specific apology from your spouse? If your spouse's answer is, I don't recall, that's a problem. No, you don't understand how good my spouse is, stop it, no they're not, right? You don't, even, you don't even think that. You live with him. You just say that to try to change the subject. Nobody thinks that. It's got to be part of our lifestyle in the church home. That's what we do. And there's a right way to do it. Good grief. You hear the difference, and I'm not going to, this is another talk completely. You hear the difference, between, man, I don't like the way you said that, versus, hey, I don't know if you meant what I heard. I don't know if you meant what I received, but it's hung with me enough that I need to have a conversation. Like, man, you see how different that feels if I'm coming at you, which I'm not, right? There's already some jokes back here. We were praying in the green, like, hey, I need to talk to you after the service, right? Somebody comes to you today after this message, I need to talk to you. Like, that's going to be really weird. Maybe give it a little time, even though that's not what I'm telling you to do with the urgency of it, but what I'm saying, but you feel the difference that I'm coming after you with. Like, man, I don't like the way you said that. I don't like what you posted. Why'd you, why'd you say that on Facebook versus man, here, how this hit me, but man, I, I know there's got to be more to it because I know like, help me, help me understand where you're coming from. It's the same thing, but one can go somewhere good and one usually does not. That hurt. I disagree. They should be normal. Now, normal in the church, Notly. Really. Don't be that one, right? The spiritual gift of criticism, right? Because God is calling all of us to deal with you and forgive you and to love you, but help us out. If you're the one, I've had five conversations in the last week and three of them you got offended, then either something's really wrong with me, man, I can't even talk without offending you, or maybe you got to figure out what's really offensive and what what fits in that and what is like, come on, like, come on, we got to graduate from preschool spiritually, emotionally. You got to know the difference. All right, how do I know the difference? That's because you're telling me. How do you know the difference? If you're constantly getting offended, that's you. Right? That's you because life is like we're all in the same world. If you're constantly getting offended, then you can, you, that's a you problem. Right? Now, but in our relationship, you have the right, whether it's, you know, I'm, I'm putting myself out there because I'm standing up here almost every week talking. So I got a lot more words to, I got a lot higher statistical opportunity to offend. Right? That's what I'm saying. And that's, that's, that comes with my job that's probably not like a lot of your job. But in relationally, this should be normal, but it, but it can't be daily. So I, I know some of your, so, your hearts are so good and, and you would say... And I just don't want to rock the boat. So I'm in a conversation with my friend and they say something that hits me wrong about whatever. They say something that hits me wrong. I don't want to say anything. And I would say, well, is it something that hits you wrong and it's really no big deal and you're never going to think about it again? Then yeah, sure, don't rock the boat. But I think what a lot of you mean when you say, I don't want to rock the boat because I have this friendship. And if I start saying things, hey, what did you mean by that? Because that kind of hit me wrong. If I start saying that, it's going to ruin the relationship. And my answer to you would be, the relationship isn't much anyway. Think about that. Chauncey is up here. He's one of the dearest friends I have. If, if, if Chauncey says something or does something, we've had some hard conversations in our seven year history, and it's only grown us closer. That's the truth. If he says something that hurts me, and I use the excuse, I, I can't let it go, it's kind not of in my head, it's in my heart, but I'm not gonna bring it up because I don't wanna mess up our relationship. You see how backward and weak that is? What I'm agreeing to is a superficial relationship that can only go to a certain point. We're stuck. We can still be friends. It's not fake. It's just not deep and real, the brotherhood that God wants us to have. Because no one taught me that when I get that feeling, that is a, that is a helpful hint that there needs to be a conversation, that God's going to work through him and work through me. doesn't mean he's wrong or I'm wrong. we got to talk through it with the Holy Spirit at the table, and it's a win. And, some, and going back to the multi-ethnic, like how many multi-ethnic conversations I had, people proudly say to me, like it's you know a Latino and a white Latino and a black black or white whatever whatever Asian, and they say, hey, we're great friends, and we never talk about race, right? What you're telling me is you love and accept each other for the most part. But there's an area that you won't go because it could be explosive. And I'm saying, to Jesus following people, there's no off limits. That's how I know I got a dear friend. There's nothing that I got to check, like we're not allowed to go there. That's what we're looking for, it takes time, it takes work, man it takes prayer. If you don't bathe this message, that's kind of obvious, I'm not spending a ton of time on that. If you don't bathe this message in prayer, If you don't pray before these conversations that God is calling you to have, oh my goodness, like we got to have the Holy Spirit involved, but we got to understand. Yeah, it may make things weird. I can't say, oh, it won't be weird at all. It might be. But because we're centered on the gospel, rescued and adopted and it's part of the same family. When me and whoever and you and whoever, when side A is saying I need to have a conversation, it's the gospel. Why? Because I, my own heart is, is valuable to God and I'm gonna keep it clean and God has already rescued me, made a part of my family and I'm gonna fight, I'm gonna go get whatever I gotta do to keep peace and unity. I need to get this off my chest and I love us enough, relationally. I love us and what we are enough to have a hard conversation. And the other side, the person, and I don't know which one you'd rather be, we're all doing, like some of you, that's your first nightmare. Somebody sends that text, hey, can, can we talk, especially if you're both in this room? Oh, my goodness, right? Oh, can we, oh, you know, it might not be, don't assume, it's all, can we talk, and what we want from the gospel is, I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful that you see us as valuable enough to have a hard conversation, and I'm so thankful that you're going to go the other way, which is what? Holding it. Right. The, again, some stuff you can truly let go and it's over and you got to know what that is. I don't know. But I, we're talking about the stuff that you can't truly let go of. So here, if you got something against me and you're like, well, I don't want to bother him. Well, I don't think I don't want to be. Uh, then then what you ch- said, and I found this in my job, like I sat down with people, sometimes people leave the church. And we like to have exit interviews. We like to come not so we can say, hey, you know, you, you know, but so we can receive, so we can get better, so we can apologize when it's appropriate and necessary. And sometimes we have those exit interviews and we find out that we've offended years ago. And it's heartbreaking. It's like, man, we've had conversations. We've been in community, I thought. And you, maybe not every time you see me or every time I preach, but for three years, you've been at me and remembering what I said in 2016. And you were right. I was wrong, but I didn't know. And nobody, and you're the only one that had the power to help me come to repentance for what I said. And you just chewed on it. I'm so thankful when somebody will come and say, hey, not pastor, David, David. I need to have a conversation. Can you help me? Understand, I'm so glad, this is my response. It's not easy, I don't love, like woo, I've offended someone else, right, it's not fun. But at the end of the day, God has brought me to a place where I'm coming back to this statement, I'm so glad you loved me enough to have a conversation. I'm so glad that you valued me enough to have a conversation. The gospel, if that scares you, I, I under, it's okay. I think. To some level, it scares all of us, but the gospel brings freedom. We can sing about that, and it's true, the more you step into the gospel, the more it does bring freedom, freedom from sin, freedom from death, and all that, but it's it's more than that today. Image management, church, managing what people think about you. It's out the window with the gospel. Why? The gospel says you're so messed up as a human. You're so unable to please God with your own decisions, with your own faith, with your own performance. You're so lost and dark and rebellious against God that there was never going to be a scenario or hope of you in peace or being right with God. There was no life that you would ever live on your best day that God would say, yes. You are righteous, we are together. The only chance any of us would have for God to send a perfect, holy Jesus to this earth to live a sinless, righteous life, to die on a cross, to raise from the dead, and exchange our sin for his righteousness. That's the bottom line of the gospel. If that's true, then why are we trying to manage what you think about me or the other way? We all know we're mad proof, Jesus, cross. There is nobody you'll ever meet who can testify. Yeah, I didn't need the death of the perfect son. I got myself right by my own bootstraps. That doesn't exist. So we can let it all go, the image management that is so natural in our humanity to do. Out the window, I can own it. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed to come to you and say, man, that hurts. I'm not embarrassed because I value us, and I know if we're in relationship, we're both gonna hurt each other on some level eventually, so I'm not embarrassed to come and say it. And I'm not embarrassed for you to come to me because it's not news to me that I'm messed up. I'm not surprised anymore. What, me, I, I need to apologize? Well, man, I, this is like it happens every eight or nine years, and I guess today's the day. No, it's a part of my daily. I'm flawed, so I'm not embarrassed or surprised. It just I'm telling you, church, I have hard conversations as part of my job, and it, it's, it frees me up. The gospel allows, like, you know, figure this out, body of Christ. With Jesus' help, and he's invested, and he's will, and he's available, and he will. And there's all abusers of that, and people can be wrong, so don't hear, oh, I got to apologize, right? There's a lot of that in culture. Apologies that famous people, somebody wrote it for them, right? And, you, and it's an apology. I'm, I'm sorry if you, you know, feel whatever. Like It's not a, really an apology. It's an apology if you took it a certain way. Listen, sometimes you got to say, yeah, I didn't say that. In my fake scenario, which Raf does an incredible job in his team with student ministry, so there's no real in that scenario. But sometimes people hear something that wasn't said, and you call me like, Raph, man, I heard you said this in student ministry. And Raph didn't say that. Raph does not, as a Jesus guy, he doesn't need to say, I'm so sorry that they heard me say that. What he needs to say is, you know, your kid needs to clean out the ears a little bit. Here, here's, here's, no, don't say that, Raph. But, you know, in humble grace, that was bad. That's a, everything I'm preaching, I just ruined with that one line. Um, what he says is, yeah, I, I, I can tell you from, I can show you what I said and what I didn't say. Right? So don't get into this false, like don't apologize for things that didn't happen right? That doesn't help anybody. It really only enables some messed up things in people. But when it's appropriate, let me give you a real example. Let me get relentless real from 2021. And yes, as always, I got permission to give this example. Uh, I preached an incredible message (laughs) Um, in June. And the context was the danger of sin. And I believed everything I said um, in this message. Maybe you were here. Um, and it's about the trap of sin and the, the damage that sin does. We don't, you know, And in that message, um, I use an example in Ravi Zacharias, who has had a tremendous impact on me as a pastor and um, incredible apologist and defender. This, this dude, his ministry uh, towards the last 10 years of his life, if you know he's, he's uh, from India. He was, grew up in Hindu and became a Christian and incredibly smart and just taught people not to be scared to defend their faith, not blind faith. There's reason behind it. So he would go to college campuses all over the world um, and in America too, and a lot of uh, Ivy League, go to Harvard and Yale. And he would have these open debates about God, of God on these campuses and just uh, God used his ministry in amazing ways. Well, he died um, earlier this, this year and it was the day of his funeral that some stuff started to leak out about his life and some stuff that he may or may not have been involved with. And then by June, we knew that it was bad and there was truth to these accusations and they were sexual and it was just, uh, it was just awful. So I used that in this message. And I didn't time um, and I didn't really have a desire to get into the nitty gritty of what he did and didn't do. So I kind of breezed over it um, and, I, and I used some words that that I regretted in, in hindsight. Um, but in the in the flow of the message, I was just making a quick point about this dude who, who disappointed a lot of people and just the, like anybody can go wrong. Um, and I said he did some shady stuff and I didn't want to get into the whole like, list of things he was accused of. No. There's more to it, but that's basically it. That was Father. I go home, Father's Day is a big day at our house, so we had the family together, and I did something I know better than doing, but we're getting ready to eat this amazing meal, and I check my phone. I don't preach on my phone anymore um, because it's distracting, because I'm like, man, something is happening, because everybody I text is in this room. And what is going on? So I don't, if you text me during church, I don't know. So anyway, I, I look for my phone for the first time, getting ready to go in the food line, and I, and I get this email about how offensive. The message was right, and the person sending the email, which I'm not going to tell you who that is because uh, they're in the room. <laughs> uh, the person sending the email is somebody that I love and respect, and they come at me in the email with grace and humility, which matters, it shouldn't matter because everything I'm preaching is just. As Jesus forgave me. There's no when they come at you appropriately. It's just as Jesus forgave me, that's what you're supposed to get from me. I'm a work in progress. But it does matter when they come with this Jesus humility. And that's what this young woman came with, saying, I know your heart. I've been around you. But man, as as a person who's seen sexual abuse, as a person who's seen sexual abuse in the church, that hurt and the way I said things in hindsight, and we' reviewing and going back and looking at what Ravi did, right the correct phrase was "sexual abuser." That's what I told her in the responding email. That's what I wish I would have said. And when I didn't say that, she knows me, so she gave me the benefit of the doubt and it led to a conversation. But there might have been somebody here that day that I've never met or never see again because they didn't give the benefit. And all they heard was what I didn't say and they knew everything Robbie Zacharias had done and it sounds like it be a church that's in a long list of churches that doesn't want to deal with the ugly reality of sexual abuse in the church. So I received that email, bad timing, I should have waited till after my meal. would have tasted better. But I was hurt. Not because i done you know, but because I, I love this sister and I knew prayed through it. That could have been said a lot better. So, again, I told you to have a conversation. I'm telling you about emails. The emails led me and my wife were able to sit down with her and her husband, have a great conversation, and I just checked with her early in the week. Hey, can I tell a version, you know, a short version of the story? That... Deal? We were good, relationally, stronger today than we were in June. Right? And that wasn't a plan. I didn't try to offend her so then we could, <laughs> I, wish it I wish we could have gotten stronger another way. But it's going to happen. That's my world. It's going to happen different in your world. We got to let Jesus help us receive the email, the text that leads to a conversation so good can be, because he's glorified when we see something different. And there's some things in her email that I'm not telling you about that I didn't agree with. And I told her, we talked to her, like, it's not all, you know, simple and clean, but it is beautiful and we are at peace and we are one and we are protecting. We're not waiting and seeing if the ball comes to us. We're going to go get and protect the unity that is so important in the body of Christ. And you have got to walk that way. There's so many opportunities for us to get sideways with each other. That's how we want to live. The, the second is much easier. When should I have a conversation? Quickly. <laughs> as soon as possible with grace, right? So that's vague. As soon as possible with times, somebody says something, does something, posts something, and the best thing is not to go have a conversation immediately, right? Let's pray a little bit, right? And let's make sure Jesus has a hold of our tongue before we go nuts right so you figure that out you can do that i just know that scripture wants us to have some urgency like some urge like a rebounding like i gotta get like i'm not peace like i needed to to deal with that email issue i needed to deal with that quickly not a month later that ephesians 432 compassionate forgiving just as in christ god forgave you that's the verse for this whole series just a few verses earlier It kind of gives us this, just a few verses, Ephesians four says, therefore having put away falsehood, each one of you should speak the truth with his neighbor. We're members one of another. We're not all doing our own thing with God and disconnected. We're members of one another. Be angry, it's not wrong. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sin go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Urgency, it's like I'm angry and it's okay to be angry. But don't sin in your anger. Don't let your anger lead to sin. And if possible, deal with your anger before the sun sets. Don't carry it. Some of you been carrying, you know. Don't let stuff fester. It's hard. It's easy just to let things go. It'll be okay. It won't be. That's why some of us are so twisted because we've not been dealing stuff for decades. It's easier not to have a hard conversation, but it will mess you up, mess us up, have urgency. Here's how Jesus said it. One of his most famous messages, Matthew 5. He says, you've heard, he, he gets crazy right here. You've heard it was said to those old people, hey, don't murder. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Well, I say, Jesus, I say, everyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Again, that's the sinful anger. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the camp. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Next verse. So, if you're offering your gift at the altar, uh-oh, we're into the offering now, Jesus. If you're offering your gift at the altar and there, oh wait, before I put this check in the box or online, whatever, however, you get before I, I leave my gift, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reckoned to your brother. Then you can come back and deal with your offering. There's a priority that Jesus gives to us, and in, in, in spite of what you may have heard from a pastor in a church somewhere, that there's a priority between financial giving, which is important and being right with your brother. And if they're in competition with each other, Jesus says it's a no-brainer, drop your money, put it in your pocket, forget it, and go deal with your brother. Be reconciled first, then you can come back and your offering can be with a free, clean heart. That's what it's about. So if you're offended one, if you're the angry one, it's saying, hey, don't sin in your anger and have a conversation, preferably before the sun goes down, but if not, there's urgency packed into that. And the reason I'm scared to have conversations, and I believe this with all my heart, is there's nothing, well, let me say this, way. two gospel-centered people don't fear confrontation. It doesn't mean it's fun. <laughs> it's not. If it is fun, that's another problem. That's an issue. But two, gospel-centered, Jesus is the center. I love him. He's rescued me. I'm not scared of confrontation. If you're following Jesus and I'm following Jesus, it doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything. We won't. But we are not scared to sit down, invite the Holy Spirit, and watch him do work. He will. 90% of the time in the church, the conversation never happens. So don't say, I don't know if that's true. I got two gospel-centered, but don't. I don't know because I Listen, we don't have the data because we don't do this. We never let the conversation happen. The conversation, that's not even the right word. It's a conversation with Jesus, admitting we're both flawed and we might have gotten sideways and if I owned any part of that, if I need to, then I'm happy to do it because it'll be going and getting and protecting the unity of the body of Christ. Now, I try to put myself in your shoes and I think I might be saying, Pastor, I don't think this conversation we need to have is going to go as well as you think it's going to go. You may be right. You may be exactly right, it may go horribly. And we'll talk about that next week. How about that for a tease, right? We will, we will talk about that next week. Today, if it goes horribly, right, then either somebody's not leaning on Jesus in the conversation or Jesus failed. You might have the one with another Jesus-loving, following person that Jesus comes as a third party at the table. You might have the one issue that Jesus sits down and says, I can't help (laughs) y'all. Like, you guys are like, there's no peace or unity to be made. You might be, be the first one in history of the world it would be the very first in the whole history of the world, and it would kind of nullify everything that Jesus said and did about who he is, but I don't know your issue, so I'm going to be open-minded and leave the possibility that you may have the first issue that Jesus just throws up his hands and says, yeah, there's, there's, there's no peace, there's no hope, there's no option here. I doubt it, but I'm just saying, if it's two Jesus-loving, gospel-centered people, there's always, there's, it doesn't mean... It doesn't go to the same church. I'm not. It doesn't mean you hold hands. It doesn't mean you go on vacation, but there's a path to peace if Jesus is invited. So have some urgency. Have a conversation. Don't let the sun go down. Leave your offering and go get reconciled. Let me see. That's hard with the light change there. It would be bad if you'll laugh at me if it bloodied my nose because I didn't. And when the... When the ball comes off, sometimes in our, in our we're, we're scrappy, we defend, sometimes we get a steal. I tell the girls, if we steal the ball every time, you don't ever have a chance to get a rebound, All right, So you can't. So so hopefully there's some good relationships. Hopefully there's some peace and some joy. Hopefully every day is another hard conversation. But sometimes the ball is going to come off the rim. You're going to be offended or you're going to have offense. and You have an opportunity to stand there and see what happens and sit on it and chew on it and deal with it your own way, with your own wisdom. Or you can go get the rebound. Go get the ball. What does that look like? It's having an urgency. I'm going to deal with the heart in order to keep peace between my brother and sister. That's who we're striving to be, and the only way a church can be that is if the people in the church want and choose to be that way. That's what I'm going to pray over you. And I'm telling you, next week we got to deal with well, what when it what what happens when I'm trying to come at this from the Jesus and the person I'm trying to deal with they they're they're coming they're not they didn't hear this message they're not doing what they're supposed to do. Then what do I do? We'll get you that next week. Let me stand you up, and pray, pray you home, Father. I thank you for the truth. The hard truth, but really, God, what we need, maybe some of us have never experienced this. What we need is to sit down at a table and be nervous and anxious and praying like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how this is going to go, and we just need to see you show up in that conversation. We need, we need to see it on paper. We need to see it in our own lives that, hey, I have conflict. I have something that I can't let go of, and I love God, and I love you, that person, enough to sit down and invite you, God, into the conversation. We just need to see, because you're so good at it. God, I was real sarcastic. Forgive me. We know there's no issue in the room or online that you can't handle. We know that you're able, with two people that have the spirit of Jesus in them, there is nothing that we can't work through. God, help us just enjoy that freedom that we may not even be, but we can be at peace because you've accomplished that for us. I pray we would exercise this as a church in our lives and our relationships. Even today, we would have conversations. We would forgive as you've forgiven us. And we would do so with the urgency that you've called us to. Church, We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all have a great week, and go Panthers, welcome home, Cam.